praising the Lord. We just have a couple requests. We want you to remember our pastor and Sister Deanna while they're away, that the God will strengthen them and be with them. And also, Sister Shirley had texted earlier today and said she's uh, not feeling good in body and asked for prayer. So we want to remember her in our prayers today. And, um, we also want to continue to remember uh, Sister Angelina, Sister Melissa in prayer tonight, that the Lord just continue to touch her and give her strength in her body. And I'm sure there's many other needs. You just make those known. God sees our hearts and he knows what we have need of in this service tonight. Brother Jonathan, come and lead us in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Church. This evening, amen. I want to say happy birthday to my daughter because she's mine. She's 21 today. Where does time go? So praise God for letting her see the light and worship the Lord. Truly appreciate that. So. If y'all would remember us this weekend, we'll be leaving tomorrow, going to Kansas for youth meetings all weekend, as I'll be ministering there, so y'all appreciate your prayers. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, once again, Lord, we've gathered, Lord, Lord, under your name, Lord, the name, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, expectations are through the roof, Lord. Lord, we come gathered amongst you, other people, Lord, to believe upon your word, to hear from you, to sing the songs of Zion, Lord, to lift up your name, to hear from your holy word, Lord, to be lifted up ourselves, but the main goal is to worship you and to learn from you. Lord, we invite you into our presence this evening, Lord. We ask you to come down and walk through each heart, Lord, and walk through each aisle, Lord, and touch each and every one of us, Lord. We ask you to be with the ones that Turn requests in that are sick, Lord, Sister Shirley, Lord, and Sister Melissa, Lord, and Lord, be with Brother Joseph, Sister Deanna, Lord, as they travel and gain their strength, Lord. And Lord, we ask you to be with this service, Lord. And touch Brother Mark and the musicians, Lord, to Lord, lead us in the spirit of worship, Lord, to worship your name. And touch Brother Brad as he would come tonight, Lord, and minister to us what God's laid upon his heart. And Lord, truly, it'll be something to uplift you, Lord. And to uplift us in the dying world that we're living in. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. Come be with us, Lord. In your lovely name we pray. Amen. I hope it's all right. I'm going to do something I don't normally do, singing without my jacket tonight. It's, I don't know if it's just me or it's just warm. It's warm tonight. That ain't going to stop us from praising the Lord tonight, though, is it? Ain't it good to have Sister Joyce and the Lord with us tonight and Sarah? Amen. Parker said amen. 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 Let's sing this together. I believe it's eight bars. Oh, once a sinner far from Jesus, I was perishing with cold. Till the blessed Savior heard me when I cried. Then he arms around me and he led me to the fold and I'm living on the hallelujah side oh glory be to Jesus let the hallelujah roll help me sing the Savior's praises far and wide for I've opened up toward heaven all of the windows of my soul and I'm Sweep around me with her dazzle and her dream. Yet I envy 
where the golden sunlight gleams, and I'm leaving on the hallelujah side. shining here the sky is always bright tis no place for gloomy christians to abide for my soul is filled with music and my heart with great delight and i'm living on the hallelujah side oh glory be to jesus let the hallelujahs roll help me sing the savior's praises Far and wide, for I'm opening up toward heaven, all of the windows of my soul, and I'm living on the hallelujah side. And upon the streets of glory, when we reach the other shore, and have safely crossed the Jordan's rolling tide, oh, you will find me shouting glory. Just outside my mansion door When I'm leaving on the hallelujah side Oh, glory be to Jesus Let the hallelujahs roll Help me sing the Savior's praises Far and wide For I've opened up toward heaven All of the windows of my soul And I'm living on the hallelujah side How many are living on the hallelujah side? Praise the Lord. Let's sing this good tune. There's a light in the window and a table spread in splendor. Someone standing by the open door. Oh, and I can't see the crystal.
this world, you'll be so homesick. I've never been this homesick before. Let's sing it to you. And he is sweet, I know. Yes, he is sweet, I know.
do that and just bless that wonderful name of Jesus. We're going to do something we don't normally do. We're going to let you have your seats tonight. But if you get lazy on me, we're going to stand back up, okay? So everybody's still going to help me sing, right? Nod your head this way. Okay, thank you. We'll give up and let Jesus second verse now.
that's the truth tonight. If we'll just give up and let Jesus take over. So I've got the best of me. You can hear it, can't you? But I'm not going to stop. I'm going to sing another one tonight. Let's do that. Well, he's the living in the valley, the bright and morning star. Oh, in the valley, the bright and morning star. Oh, he's the living in the star. Amen. We'll have our ushers to come tonight if you would and receive these and offer them just give it to the Lord. Again, we're going to say happy birthday to Sister Laura Jones tonight. Uh, her birthday being 21. Boy, I wish no, I ain't going to wish it again. I'm happy where I'm at. Thank you, Lord. It's, I don't know if I could stand 30 some more years of this world. Amen. Also, uh, I think on Friday, Sister Jeannie Holder is not here, but we want to wish her a happy birthday as well. It's her birthday. Amen. Sister is it Adriana has got a song for us tonight, so if you'll make your way up, come here and sing it for us.
ese día vendrá ese día vendrá Señor We're just so happy once again to have Brother Brad Powell with us and his family. We're looking forward to what God's got in store for us in the service tonight. So if you'll stand with me, we'll invite our brother to come right ahead and to deliver what the Lord's laid on his heart.
in the house of the Lord tonight. How many is happy to be a Christian? Amen. Amen. Good to see you, brother. Good to be in the house of the Lord, I tell you. You can have your seats for just a minute if you'd like. <clears throat> Take just a minute here to, to settle in and just say hello to the people here, to the saints here. We certainly count it an honor and a privilege to be able to speak tonight. And uh, Brother Joseph would, would have confidence uh, for us to come and speak to you. We sure appreciate that. And, and you know, it means that so much more. I mean, he's, he's not here, and he still has confidence to have Amen. us come and, and speak. And that means a lot. Pastors don't just open up their doors to, to anybody. And so uh, we, we know he protects this office. He protects this platform, and we, we thank him for the invitation. And I don't have to tell you how good a fellow Brother Joseph is. I know you know that. He's your pastor, but uh, he's al- he will always, and him and his wife and the church here will always hold a special place in our hearts. Um, you know, we several years ago we went through some trying times and it was one of those times brother brother uh, sister that you just you just kind of scratch your head and you you think you've lost everybody you've lost all your friends you've lost all your acquaintances and and uh, you know and I, I was able to get with brother Joseph I don't even know how it come about and and we had a meeting together and we talked and he said brother Brad I, I've been through where you're at he said, I want you to know you're my buddy and I'm your friend. And when I felt like I had nobody in the world, that's what he told me. And he will always have a special place in our heart. And we thank him. We thank the church here for for all that that you've done for us in our past. So um, we're just happy to be a Christian. We're happy to to serve the Lord. We're happy that we're uh, part of this end time bride and and to be a part of the move as, as the rapture is approaching. So. Uh, if you would stand with me now, and and uh, we'll go into the into the word, and I want to speak to you tonight, if if the Lord would help us, on God's invincible army, God's invincible army, and when we look at the word invincible, it means incapable of being conquered, incapable of being conquered, defeated, or subdued. Invincible is victorious over everything. Invincible is victorious over everything. Disease, death, destruction. It says there is no match for someone or something that is truly invincible. I think I'm looking tonight at an invincible army. God's bride of Jesus Christ is considered an invincible army. When we recognize who we are. And the place and the position where God would have us. Turn with me if you would. It's going to seem a a little odd scripture, but Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Get this water open here. And verse 26. It's on the screen as well. So, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also it was as in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. 
turn with me one more scripture real quick to John chapter 10. Uh, as you're turning, I'll just read it. It's short scriptures, 10 and 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we're just thankful to be in your house tonight with believers, brothers and sisters of like precious faith, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we just ask that you would come by this way this afternoon and that you would just take these bodies that are no doubt tired from the heat and stress and the work of the day, Lord, and that you would just come in and you would just minister to our heart's needs, that you would anoint the lips of the speaker and the ears of the hearers, that we could be drawn close to you, Father. We just want to tell you we love you, we appreciate you, and, and we just want to dedicate the, the remainder of this service to bring honor and glory into you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can have your seats. The prophet says now, he said, my grandfather rode an ox cart. He said, I'm driving a Ford V8. My son will fly a jet plane. He says, that's, we're moving on. That's what religion ought to be. He said, the coming of the Lord is at hand. How many believes that tonight? The coming of the Lord is at hand. He said, the church ought to be moving on into their, their powers. He says, science can only climb so far, and then it has to drop off. Listen now. But we got untapped sources. We've got untapped sources that's never been touched. The power unlimited of God that we are to be moving into. We're living a million miles, a million miles under our privileges tonight. Of the privileges of Christians that they are to be enjoying. So where are we tonight if we look at this scripture? I believe I'll this a little high. Maybe if we look at this tonight, where are we at when we look at this quote that the prophet's telling us? As believers, we ought to be a million miles farther down the road than where we are today. We ought to be a group of people. He says we ought to be a church that's walking the street, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, doing signs and wonders, making the whole world realize, Brother Pat, that Jesus lives. That Jesus lives. That's what we ought to be doing. Now, brothers and sisters, we're living in a time that it seems to us unimaginable to many of us. We're living in a time in this hour where, where we look out across here and we see perversion at an all-time high. We see men who think they can be women. Is this okay? And women who think they can be men. And we see such a perversion that's on the rise. Homosexual perversion. Pedophilia. All acts of immorality hitting an all-time high. And brothers and sisters, this is the age we're living in. And the prophet said the lids of hell and 200,000 demons would be poured out before the end time. Where do we see we're at this hour? And so we look at this and, and, and we begin to look at this. And, and we ought to be able to understand this more than anyone else in the world. Because this has been given to us as prophecy. This is the end time coming to pass. Are you with me? I'm here tonight to tell you that God is calling for an army of believers that will be able to withstand the enemy and all that the enemy can throw at us. Look at me now when we are looking at the book of St. John. Chapter 14, I'm going to be rehearsing a little bit out of this story here. St. John chapter 14. 
You look in here and you notice that this portion of the scripture, we just left, Jesus had just left the last Passover supper. The last Passover supper had ended. And Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet. Jesus is now sitting there and he's explaining to, him, to them, to the disciples, who he is and what is about to happen. And thank God that Thomas was bold enough to speak what everybody in the room was wanting to know. He was the only one bold enough to stand up there and say, Lord, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know what you're saying. We don't know where you're going or what's about to happen. So can you tell us what's about to happen? Now, we poke fun a lot of times at Thomas. We make fun of Thomas, and we try to, uh, to poke a little fun at him. But Thomas was a realist. He wanted to know where the rubber met the road. He wanted to know what is really fixing to happen here. Talk to us plainly. We've got questions. And it's a good thing that he did that because if he had not done that, we may not know exactly what the calling is and what the believer is capable of doing tonight. As we look at that, Jesus tells him, says, Believe me that I am the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. And he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that he believeth on me the works that I shall do, you shall do also. And greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. Jesus is looking at them and he's telling them, Hey, brothers, this is your time to shine. This is your time to shine. You have been here. You've seen all the wonderful miracles that have taken place. You have seen deaf ears open. You've seen blind eyes open. You've seen demonic spirits cast out. You've seen all of this. But now I want you to know that all of this that you have seen and all of this life-changing experiences you've had, it's now for you to live. It's for you and it's for me. And that's the way it is in this end time, brothers and sisters. It's for you and it's for me. It's not in times past. We saw all of that in the message of the hour through the prophet. And it was all real. But there is more than that for us. There is a greater works for us to do. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what he says. And I will pray the Father, and listen now. He says, I will give you another comforter. And I will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. What a promise. What a promise. When we look at this scripture, you look at that word, another. And when you break down that word, another, when you look at that in the Greek, it means identical or just alike. So you mean to tell me that when God leaves the scene, when God stepped off the scene, he's telling his disciples, listen, you're going to be just like me because I'm sending you somebody that's just like me. And that's what God is going to do in this hour and has done in this hour. If you're baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, he abides in you. And he's telling them, listen, I'm going to go. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And while I'm gone, you'll be here in my stead. Who's he calling for in this hour? Who is God calling for in this hour? Brothers and sisters, it's you and I. There's nobody else to do the work. We've said what the world was. The world is a life of perversion. 
there is a group of people that has to carry on what God is doing. So Jesus says, listen here, fellas, when I'm gone, it's going to be you. And it's not going to be easy. Has anybody had an easy week? Has anybody had uh, the, your home life has just been easy? Everything falls into place. No. No, some of you are smiling, so I know I'm in somebody's living room right now. Life is not easy, and Jesus is telling them that. It's not going to be easy because the Satan is going to be here, and he's going to be here to make fun of you. He's going to be here to mock you. He's going to be here to destroy you. He wants to tear your marriages apart. That's what he is wanting to do. He wants to ruin your family altar, your churches, your schools, your homes. Take away all of your freedoms and your liberty. But Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry, my friends. I will not leave you comfortless. My bride, I will not leave you comfortless in this last day. I will send you another comforter. This Holy Ghost, it makes you walk like me. It makes you talk like me. It makes you have peace like me. It makes you love like me. It makes you go places that I go. It gives you authority over death just like me. It'll make you fight your battles just like me. We have to get our identities. We have to find ourselves putting away the old man. And taking on this new that God can come in and dwell inside of us. And we find ourselves in a place where that comforter can come in. Because when you look at that word comforter, it means parakletos. And parakletos means one alongside to help. I don't know about you brothers and sisters. But every day I wake up and get out of bed and my feet hit the floor. I need one alongside me to help. And Jesus tells us, I will be that for you. I will be that comforter for you. When the times of troubles come, you're not alone. You and I are never alone when our times of troubles come. And Psalms tells us that God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in a time of trouble. Brothers and sisters, this is an advocate. An advocate that Jesus has said, I'm going to come down and stand in place for you. I'm going to go between you and God. I'll be the mediator. I am your advocate. I will be there to fight your battles. I will be there to defend you when all of hell is against you. I will be there to overcome for you. Jesus has left us a place of power and authority. This may be a little hard here, but it's the truth. This power and authority don't come easy. This power and authority, it don't just fall into everybody's lap. This, this power and authority, as I've often said, is not for the weekend warrior. No, it's for people that are willing to dig their heels in and fight battles for God. It's for people who's willing to go the extra mile and serve the people and the children of God. The weekend warriors won't cut it. It's the truth anyway. The prophet said when the doors are open, we ought to be here. It's as plain as simple. 
And we try to scratch that one out. Well, I'm too tired, I'm too this, I'm too there, I'm too... It doesn't work that way. When the doors are open, he said we would be there. So this weekend warriors is not for just everybody. The weekend warrior don't get the power and authority because they're never rooted and put into a place. We need more than just Sunday morning service. It's not for the Christian that just uh, can't come because the music's just not right. Boy, that sure is loud. You know, that music, it gets so loud, it just rings in my ears. And they get to hollering. You can't even, can't even sing because that song leader sings so loud. We love to sing. This will be the quietest place you'll ever be if you make it to heaven. Because there's going to be singing and shouting and praising and people who's overcome, people who's lived the life that I'm talking about with power and authority and God will be able to move in them. And those are the people that will be there. And people will want to come to church and they begin to uh, mully grub and cry and complain. God don't have time for a crybaby. God's not going to have time. This, this, this power I'm talking about cannot dwell in crybabies. People who is always murmuring and complaining. But this is what for God is looking for soldiers and warriors that can overcome all obstacles. Because each one of us can think of a million and million and a million more reasons why we shouldn't be here tonight. Mm. But we're looking, God is looking for ambassadors. Brother Branham said it. He told us this. He said, the enemy will come. Has he ever come to your house? Has the enemy ever come knocking on your door? He, the enemy will come. And he said, when he does, we just have to cling that much closer to God. You know, I, I was, uh, this come to me the other day. I was checking my bees. We had beehives. And I was out checking the bees and the other day, and I noticed some carpenter bees were born into the side of the, the colony, the, the bee box of the colony there. And I thought to myself, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do if those carpenter bees get in there with my honeybees? And then I, I got to thinking about it, and it dawned on me. I don't have to do anything about this. I don't have to do anything about this because those honeybees, they know exactly who they are. They're not going to let some outsider come in and invade their space. They're not going to let Satan come in and crawl in through the portals, un through the hole, or bore his way into their life. They're not going to do it. They're honeybees. They're protectors. They're going to protect what's theirs. And we as Christians have to get to a place that we stand and say, Devil, you're not coming at me anymore. I'm going to protect my house and home, my life, my children, my family, my job. Oh, you know, I went back just a couple days later. You know what I seen laying all around the bee box? Dead carpenter bees. Because they're not going to put up with it. And we have to get to a place that we just kill all those things that come around us like that. When Satan and the enemy comes, kill it. Brother Branham said, kill it. Don't pet it. He said, when you go to a service, and you go to a service, he said, don't say, well, I'm just going to leave you right here until the Holy Ghost service is over, and I'll be back later. No, you don't pet that thing. 
We get rid of it. We kill it. We don't let it come into our house. Brother Brown says, talking about Satan and Revelation. He hates Revelation. He said he knows that since God has an immutable in his nature, and he's an immutable in his ways, now that means that he does not change and he's not capable of changing. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God was a healer back then, he's a healer today. If he was a deliverer then, he's a deliverer today. If he's a God of salvation then, he's a God of salvation today. So he's, he's immutable in his ways. And he said, Satan knows this. And he said, Satan knows that the church, with the Pentecostal, with the power of God, Mark 16 in action, that true church that Jesus claims as his own, he says, remember this, that true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. Brothers and sisters, let's ask ourselves, are we the continuation of the book of Acts? We should be living our lives in such a way that we mirror exactly what happened back on the day of Pentecost, that we mirror exactly what happened as we go through our lives, the life of Paul, the life of Brother Branham. Are you with me? We have to be in that place. He says, the book of Revelation shows how the Antichrist spirit would come to the church and defile it and make it lukewarm. And how has Satan just weaseled his way into our homes and into our lives and into our churches? Are you with me? Just subtle. He just slips his way in there. And we see it, and we look at this, and he says, but this ought to, we ought to be able to expose Satan. He says, listen, he knows that if the people get the true revelation of the true church and what she is, what she stands for, that she can do the greater works and she will be the invincible army. Do I have any invincible army tonight? She will be the invincible army. He said Satan will be powerless before her. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to live in bondage anymore. We don't have to find ourselves in bondage anymore. Sin and darkness no longer has its grips on me. There was a time that I could look back and I could say that I could not get away from the grips of Satan. You and I have been there. Hopefully we've all graduated past that point. Because we don't have to be there in that darkness anymore. Because at Calvary, I was set free. We live in a country. We live in a country that we have been given the privilege of knowing what independence means. We've been given a, the, uh, the, the privilege to know what independence means. And many of us know the joys of a nation of freedom. But there's other citizens in other countries that can't quite relate to that. They still find themselves under bondage. They're, they're tied down by, by a, a third world uh, domination in a country that they can't get away from. But we as Americans know that we have freedom. And there's an there's a independence that we have as believers. 
That same independence even goes to a greater scale that God gives us, that we can be set free. You see, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that we were born in this world seeking life. So none of us are beyond that. None of us are beyond that. You see, yesterday our nation celebrated the 4th of July. And it was Independence Day, and it marks a day in, in history when the Declaration of Independence was approved by the Continental Congress. And stay with me now as we read some of this and we look at this declaration. This declaration stated that the American colonies were tired. They were tired of being ruled by Great Britain. And brothers and sisters, I can look at many times the things in my life, and I look at Satan and I say, Satan, I am tired of being ruled by you. Amen. And if we look at this declaration, brothers and sisters, we, we got to be able to look at the enemy right in the eye and tell him we're tired of being ruled. We're tired of him ruling in our homes, ruling in our children, ruling in our marriages. Our forefathers, they wanted a country of their own. And they wanted this country of their own, so they began to think there. And how are we going to get our independence? How are we going to get free from such bondage? How are we going to get free from Britain wanting to, to rule everything we have? Because we need our freedom. And brothers and sisters, they begin to sit down and they begin to think and they wrote a declaration that said, I want my own country. And when we look and we see what Satan tries to rob and steal from us, we can look out there and we can say, Satan, I want my own country. I'm going to write a declaration today and I'm going to have my own country. The growing anger began to grow and it began to boil in the forefathers. It began to grow and grow and grow this anger. And Brother Branham began to talk about Shamgar. And he said Shamgar was there. He said I can see him standing there. He looks out and he said he sees this mighty army coming. And he said I can hear him saying, I can hear the soldiers And he said, I could see as he was standing there and his little wife standing there. And her sleeves all ragged. They, they poor and impoverished because the enemy had come in and robbed from them day after day. And he said, here I can see little Shamgar out there. And his righteous indignation began to rise up. And it began to come up on him. And he got some fight in him. You can't stand toe to toe with the devil without some fight in you. We as believers have to have a little bit of fight in us. And he said, you got to get some fight, some backbone. Let that wishbone turn into a backbone. And he said, you got to be like old buddy Robin said. Lord, give me a backbone of a saw log. How many knows what a saw log is? Not many of you. We're in the city, aren't we? I'm from the country. A saw log is a big log. It's a log that you can take some time putting it on the sawmill and you begin to carve your way through it and you spend time and time and time and buddy Robin said give me the backbone of the saw log make me have a big backbone and make me strong he said let me have a bite a bite on the devil as long as I got a tooth in my mouth and he said and when I don't let me gum on it 
How many of us are willing to look the devil and go face to face with him? He said, have some spunk about you. Stand up and claim your God-given privileges. Sometimes I think we fail to realize what our privileges are. I think we fail to realize what God has truly done for us when he went to Calvary. Because on Calvary, there was more than just salvation handed out. Salvation may have been the most important thing that he done. But on Calvary, death was released. On Calvary, sickness was released. On Calvary, depression was released. On Calvary, stress and anxiety and fear. These are real enemies that we face, but we don't have to face them anymore because of that blood that was shed down at Calvary. Shamgar said his righteous indignation got riled up, and he looked around and he couldn't find nothing because he wasn't a warrior. Many times we think we fall short. What can I do for God? I'm not a, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a deacon. I'm not a song leader. I just sit in the pew. I'm not a warrior. Let me tell you, he may not have been a warrior. But Shamgar stood there and he was one of God's invincible army soldiers. Shamgar didn't need a, 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 a list of soldiers to stand behind him. Shamgar's righteous indignation got riled up and he began to sit there. He said, what can I do? And he found an ox goat. Nothing but a mere stick with a brass cap on the top of it. A stick that he would use to clean out the plow. A stick that he would use to prod the cattle. And he said, come on enemy, I am sick and tired. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, we've got to get sick and tired. Sometimes we've got to get sick and tired of Satan coming in and, and poking his finger into our life. Shamgar said, I'm sick and tired. I'm not a warrior. The odds are against me. You ever feel like the odds are against you? You wake up in the morning, you think you're going to go to work and everything goes wrong. You don't make it to work. You don't make your money. You don't make things the way you want. You come home, the, the kids are screaming. The wife's not happy. She's had a bad day. She burnt the biscuits. Things are not going too good. Things are not going too good. The odds are against you. That's the way it is in life. Satan comes against you over and over and over. They're stacked against you. But he says, God's for you to take his word. Or if we could just take the word of God tonight. If we could just find ourselves rooted in the word of God tonight. Before, listen, before this declaration was written, America was part of the kingdom of Great Britain. Thirteen colonies were established. These thirteen colonies began to grow and grow. And before you know it, the people realized that the British government was treating them a little unfair. Hmm. Can any of you say the devil ever treats you fair? Has he ever, has he ever treated you fair? Has he ever said, Brother Jonathan, let me just give you a bonus today? No. No, he didn't do that. Satan doesn't come down there and try to treat you fair. No, they, he come and he said, listen, you're going to have to pay taxes. Oh, you know what taxes are, don't you? Y'all know what taxes are in Tennessee? Y'all don't have the same ones we do in Kentucky. And y'all ought to praise the Lord for that. 
But they had to pay taxes. And they had to pay taxes on the things they loved. So if it was something they loved, they paid a tax. If they wanted tea, they had to pay a tax. Constantly, Satan, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And Satan is pulling at the people. And he's pulling at the bride. And these British people, these British soldiers, they had to have the right to stay in the home of the American colonists. How would you like that? No. You're trying to get your independence. We're trying to get away from things that are gripping us and holding us and binding us. But Satan has to have permission to stay in your home. Let me tell you, they got sick and tired of it. The American colonists got sick and tired of it. And the believers in this hour have to get sick and tired of it. They tried and tried, but they couldn't follow the laws. The laws wasn't set up for them. And brothers and sisters, this world is not set up for us. They tried to fight. They tried to do everything they could, but they could not gain their independence. Thomas Jefferson gets together with a group of of men and committees, and they form the Continental Congress. And they begin to write the Declaration of Independence. And today that Declaration of Independence is recognized around the world as a message of freedom and independence. And the second sentence, and it says it all, it says they have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God wants us to have a life. God wants us to be alive in what we're doing. God wants us to be living vessels and sanctuaries for Him. Not dead, not cold, not formal. You've heard what the prophet said. He said anything don't have some emotion to it is what? Dead. So the only time you will ever find death is if you get separated eternally from God. Because as I've said at our home church many times, death to the believer is just a bump in the road. A believer truly never dies. It should not even be in the vocabulary of a believer. Because when you cross over, it's into a new life. And the prophet said the only time that you die is when you're separated from God. Jesus said the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they may have life and have life more abundantly. According to the words of Jesus, this thief comes to destroy everything good in your life. Everything that you would have pleasure in, in God. He's there to destroy your job, your joy, your happiness, your health, your finances, your marriage, your kids. This thief is there to ruin whatever he can get his hands on. And that word thief comes from the word uh, klepto, which means to steal. And to steal, it means it's a picture of a bandit. And I I preached this before, and when I preached it, I thought about this, and I thought, you know, I've seen these pickpocketers. Have you ever seen a pickpocketer in action? The pickpocketer comes by, and he walks by you, and the next thing you know, he just nudges you and bumps into you. You keep walking, he keeps walking. The only thing different is he's got your watch, your ring, your necklace, your socks, 
your shoes. And you just keep walking. You never knew it happened. And that's the way Satan is in our lives. He comes in there to steal. And he just bumps into you just so ever so sly and ever so cunning. He comes in there. He may just get into his home, into your home, just real, real simple. Sometimes it's just something just as simple as maybe a conversation in the car. You can be going on vacation. You may be going to Disney World. You may be going to uh, Alaska and Alaskan cruise. And everything's good. Everybody's happy. The kids are happy. It's joyous, a time and occasion. And the next thing you know, somebody says something just a little out of the way. Sad. All that joy that was in your car, all that is gone. Somebody's been there. Somebody's been there. I had somebody tell me the other day, they said, you know, he said, we got ready to take, I preached this, and they said, we got ready to take a trip the other day. He said, man, we were so happy. He said, next thing you know, he said, we drove for two and a half hours and never spoke a word. <laughs> this is the living room. This is what happens. He comes in there so sly. He just does something real simple, real easy, just to take away your joy. Cunning and sly. He don't do it outright. He can't get by with that, Brother Pat. If I come up to you and, and I say, Brother John, I'm going I'm to I'm steal your joy. What? Huh? No? No? Can I steal your happiness? No. No. He don't come asking for permission. He don't come and introduce himself and say, hey, I'm Satan. I'm coming after you. No. It's so sly, it's so subtle, and he just creeps his way right in there and injects his thoughts into your mind and steals your happiness. An uncontrollable thief. He can't help it. He's a kleptomaniac. He can't help it. He has an impulse. And he looks at you and he says, I've got to have what they've got. Not only does he come to steal, but Jesus says he comes to kill. And if we were to think about the word kill, we think about killing, stabbing, murder. But that's not the connotation here in the Bible that they're using here. When they're talking about killing here, they're talking about a sacrifice to be made. Like a sacrifice on an altar. And it had nothing to do with terms of murder or killing like that. But Jesus looks at it and he begins to tell us. Because if the thief hasn't walked away with everything that you've got that he could steal from you. He'll get you to sacrifice what God gave you. Yeah. If he can't kill it. Or steal it. He says I want to get them to sacrifice their, their time. I'm going to get them to sacrifice their time of devotion. I'm going to get them to sacrifice their time around the family altar. I'm going to get them to sacrifice their Wednesday nights. I'll give them a promotion at, at their job. I don't know who that's for. But it happens. And in the, and in the, in the unseen world, Satan's over there pushing buttons and pulling levers everywhere. He can give you the best job you've ever had in your life. He can give you the greatest opportunity that, you, that could ever be placed before you. But what are you sacrificing? 
What are you killing that God has, what are you killing and sacrificing that God has given you? The thief can't bear the fact that you possess any kind of blessing. He don't like it when you're blessed. It makes him unhappy. And he begins to dig and he begins to pry. And he begins to look and say, what can I do now? I've stolen all I could steal. I've, I've, I've made him sacrifice all that God's given him. What can I do to him now? And it says he can destroy what does that word destroy mean? The word destroy means he wants to take it and ruin it or make it wasted and trash it and devastate it. You're walking along with the, with the Lord just fine. Young men, young women. And the next thing you know, there's a temptation that comes along. And you think, I, I'll just do this once. Once turns to twice. Twice to four, four to eight. The next thing you know, you have ruined some part of your life. And Satan's sitting back and he's just laughing the whole time. Protect yourself, young people. Protect yourself from the devastation, from the destruction and the destroying power of Satan. If there is a temptation that's coming your way and it's not of godly fashion, put the brakes on. If I were to read this John 10, 10, and read it this way, we'll, we'll get a better picture of it. The thief wants to get his hands into every good thing in your life. In fact, this pickpocket's looking for any opportunity to wiggle his way so deeply into your personal affairs that he can walk off with everything you hold so precious and dear. He says, that's not all. When he's finished stealing from all your goods and possessions, he'll take his plan to rob you blind to the next level. He'll create conditions and situations so horrible that you'll see no way to solve the problem except to sacrifice everything that remains from his previous attacks. His goal, the goal of this thief, is to totally waste and devastate your life. If nothing stops him, he'll leave you insolvent flat broke, cleaned out in every area of your life. You'll end up feeling as if you are finished and out of business. Make no mistake, the enemy's ultimate aim is to obliterate you. Now that puts it in pretty plain terminology right there. A lot of times we fail to identify who our enemy is. We know the greatest battle ever fought is right here. But that enemy that we face is on the other side there and he's constantly going out there and he's roaming about seeking. He's seeking you. You, brothers and sisters, as bride of Jesus Christ, you wear a big target on your back. He's not worried about the denominational churches. He wants brides. What can I do to destroy the bride? That's his thoughts. That's his mind. But brothers and sisters, the verse doesn't stop there. And thank God, Jesus said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That they may uh, uh, have Zoe in their life. We need Zoe down in our life and in our heart. 
God on the inside. God moving and talking and doing demonstrations through our lives. So brothers and sisters, when Satan comes in to try to kill and steal and destroy, that's when we have to look him in the eye and say, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. Jesus said that I could have Jesus said, I could retain my zest and living and that springs from deep down inside of me. Jesus says, I can have that. Jesus says, I can be richly loaded and overflowing and living a life to the maximum. Are you willing to grab a hold of that tonight? You see, brothers and sisters, there'll be times when the devil will push every button of emotion in your life. We're living in an emotional age. We're living in an age that, 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 that Satan uses depression, stress, anxiety, fear. He's a big emotionalist. And he gets to pushing these buttons in your life, and he's getting there to try to manipulate and get you to come down to a specific kind of You know, you can leave a church service and you feel like you've just conquered the world. Until you step outside. And Satan is right there. Why don't we just look at Satan today and say, shut up, devil. Why do we listen to him? Why is it so much easier to listen to Satan than it is to God? Is that the truth? You can listen to every negative thing that comes your way. And you begin to ponder it and you begin to listen to it. And you think, my goodness, why is this? He is the biggest manipulator you will ever meet. The devil wants you sick. He wants you depressed. He wants you there, down in the dumps. But God is looking for the invincible army. The devil wants you to feel like you will never hit the target with your life. You think, man, I should be here, I should be there, I should be doing this, I should be going there, and this is what my goal is, this is what I'm going to do. And, and then the devil comes down and he begins to push his thumb here, and his thumb here, and his here. And before you know it, we just give in to him. And we find ourselves bound and shackled. And we drag it around like a ball on a But there is no time in this age we're living in to be afraid. There's no time in this, in this age that we're living in. We're called to a time right now, as I said earlier, that we're time to fight. It's time to rise up to the moment that we're called for. And we look at here, we look and we see that there was a prophet by the name of Samuel. Samuel comes into the, into the picture here and God tells Samuel, I need you to go down there and find me a king. I'm going to send you down there to the house of Jesse. He has some boys. And I want you to go down there. And Samuel was reluctant to go. He said, if they find out I'm down there, they will kill me. And he says, go down there and offer up a sacrifice. You'll fit in. So Samuel goes down and he goes down to the house of Jesse. And he goes in there and he begins to look at all of Jesse's boys. 
And he's lining them up one by one by one. And he begins to look at him. He said, you know, this one here looks pretty good. This one looks here. He said, no, no, that's not him. That's not what I'm looking for. Well, this one here looks really nice. This one here is built well. He's muscular. He's nice. He's handsome. He looks like a king. He does look like a king. He goes and Samuel begins to think and he talks and he prays about it. And God says, no, no, that's not him. And Samuel goes back to him and he says, Jesse, are there any more of your kids here? Is this all that you've got? Well, no, there's, there's another one out in the field. Don't even call him by name. He's so insignificant to Jesse at this moment in time because Jesse wanted his oldest son, Eliab, to be the next king. And Jesse looks at that and he said, no, he's out in the field. He's working. And Samuel says, bring him to me. No, you don't want him. He said, bring him to me. And here walks up this young 15-year-old. You see, you're never too young to do something for God. This young 15-year-old boy sitting there, a ruddy little fella, a ruddy little fella, maybe red-headed, kind of set apart from the rest of the crowd, looked a little different. You know, there weren't many redheads in that area of the, of the world. And ruddy means red. So here's David here, this little, little boy comes walking in, 15 years old, and he's bebopping down through there. And, then, you know, he looks like a nice guy. But he don't look like a king. He don't look like he's ruling material. And he begins to sit there and he begins to talk to him. And Samuel talks to him. And as Samuel's talking to him, God is talking to Samuel. And God tells Samuel, this is the one. This is the one that will be my next king. And so Samuel then comes up and he says, and God tells him, he says, arise and anoint this one. Now, there was something special there about David at that time. Because God looks at him and he said, this is the one that is the man after my own heart. You see, there's a difference between somebody who wants to be king or who wants to be a ruler and somebody who's got the character to rule. He said, this is the one that's after that's a man after my own heart. This is the one I want. So he takes him and he pours the oil over him and he anoints him. What was it he gave him that day? It said, from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. Brothers and sisters, we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost day in and day out in our lives. Not just when it's convenient, not just on Sunday morning, but when I get up every morning and I go to work, I need the Holy Ghost on me. I need the Holy Ghost dwelling in me. And you know when it's not. You know when things happen in your life and you say, well, I, I'm a Christian, I got the Holy Ghost, but let me tell you about this fella here. And that little dove just... And it leaves and it just goes over there and the prophet said it just sits on the nest. I don't have to tell you when you've done wrong. Brother Pat, anybody ever got to tell you when you've done wrong? No. Your wife don't come say, no, nothing. Pat, let me tell you something. She don't have to do that because he knows as soon as he does something, as soon as he says something, as soon as anything is not just quite right and agreeing with the spirit that's within him on the inside, he feels that little dove go away just like you and I and every Christian in the world does. You feel that little Holy Ghost going and that little spirit leaving and you think, man, I feel so empty. 
I feel so robbed. I feel so cheated in life because the spirit that once was in me and it gave me the happiness is now gone. And then there's something on the inside that comes and says, what do I have to do? I have to repent. That is a man or woman after God's own heart. If you want to be right, if you want more of God, there's more of God for you. And David was that little man. And on that day, David received, as the oil was poured over his head, it said the Spirit of the Lord come upon him. And that day, David received an When David out there, just a boy out there, tended to the flock, and the lion come to consume his flock, he had an apple. When he's out there and the bear came and growling after his flock, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, he had an apple. When David's sitting there and that uncircumcised Philistine coming is mocking the whole army of God, he had an apple. David stood there. Listen to me, son. I'm taking that Philistine on. And Saul says, David, you're but just a boy. You're not qualified to do this. Has Satan ever told you you're not qualified to do something? And, and David sits there and he says, listen to me, Saul. Thy servant, I have slew both the lion." and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them. He has defiled the army of the living God. Brothers and sisters, David had a gigantic problem. Many times I walk through life and I think, oh my Lord, have I got a gigantic problem. And I wonder as I begin to go through life and I I see the problems that's coming at me. I have a Goliath in my life. You probably had a Goliath in your life. And you're sitting there and David looks at it and he says, I'm not going to let this gigantic problem defy us anymore. And he looks out there and he comes out there and he says, you come to me with the sword and with the spear." But I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts of the God of the armies of God. David was more than just a man. More than just a boy. More than just a man. He was an invincible army of God. David stood there and he looked out there and he said, This day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand and I will smite thee and I will take the head. You remember what I said earlier? These little sins that we have harboring around our homes and around our lives, you have to kill it. You have to cut it off. And David said, I will slew you. I'll slay you. And it said that Philistine arose and drew and come at David. And David hastened and ran towards to meet him. This is one of the greatest stories in the Bible. David runs to him and goes to him and he grabs a sling. And reaches into his pocket. And pulls out a stone. And David looks at this giant of a problem in front of him. And he begins to twirl. And hits this giant. Right in the throat. 
this giant of a problem begins to stumble. Now David didn't stand back and say, well, let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens when he hits the ground. No, it said David ran there. David ran up there and stood up on that Philistine. Can you see David just run up there and that giant laying on the ground and he climbs up on top of this 14 foot tall man and stands up on him? You want to talk about a victorious day. And it said David took his sword, not David's sword, took Goliath's sword and he took his sword and drew it out and slew him and took his head off. That's an invincible army. That's somebody who doesn't look at circumstance. That's somebody who doesn't look at the problems in their life. That's somebody who says, I'm going to do what God has required and called us to do. No matter what else happens, no matter who likes it, no matter what it looks like, I'm going to go before this and do what God says do. Look at Moses. You know, Moses come from quite, a, quite an upbringing. We wonder sometimes about how we got to where we're at in our lives. And we think, how did I get here? How did I survive this? How did I survive that? I preach a lot on the unseen. Because there's a lot that goes on that we don't see. And the prophet said that there was, there was a, the day in the, in the land when Moses was just a baby. And he said, the Egyptians had these witches. That's what he said, witches. And he said, these witches was going around to bash the heads in of these babies. And he said, these witches would line up and, and go through, and they would go through in and out of the houses looking for the new babies. And said, Moses, being a little baby, began to cry out one night. And, he, and, and his papa said, go in there, nurse the babies. And they heard a knock on the door. And the prophet said, the witches come in there and said, we know you got a baby. We can tell by the, by the way you look. We know you're nursing a baby. Where is he? We'll be back. And the prophet said that they took, took that little baby and they said, we got to do something with him. They're going to come back. They're going to kill him. And they took that little Moses and they put him in that little ark. You've heard the story. But the most astounding part to me is when the prophet said they put that little ark into the, into the river and pushed it off and Gabriel was sitting on top of the ark as it floated down the river and crocodiles coming and biting and snatching and trying to get it. And he said, there was that Gabriel sitting on top of the ark, floating down the river, fighting off the crocodiles. And we wonder how we get to places we're at in our life. Let me tell you, God don't make any mistakes. God orchestrates every step that we take along the way. Moses, 80 years old now, 80 years later, Egypt had the whole world conquered. Their military secrets above everybody else. And Moses now sat in a straddle of a little old mule. And the people sitting there and they're looking at Moses. And he's riding this mule and going along. And they said, and Moses is hollering out, glory to God, praise the Lord. Where are you going, Moses? What are you doing, Moses? And he said, I'm going down to Egypt. What are you going down to Egypt for, Moses? 
Why are you so happy? Why are you praising God? Why are you, uh, you, you, you just look ridiculous. What are you going down there for? He said, I'm going there to take the thing away. One man invaded. That's an invincible life. A one man invasion. A man with a stick, Brother Pat, goes down there and takes over an entire army of men. And leads them. Look at Daniel. There's the clock. I've been looking for the clock. How long do y'all usually go on Wednesday night? I try not to hold anybody long on Wednesday. That's been hot. But let's, let's get there. Let's look at Daniel for a minute. Daniel goes in there and he's, he's in a land that's a strange land to him. And they tell him, you can't pray to your God no more. You can't do what Christians do. You ever felt that way in this government we live in? You can't do what Christians do. You can't preach what's right. You can't stand against wrong. You can't stand against sin. And Daniel says, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to open my windows up. And I'm going to bow down and I'm going to pray where the whole entire world knows where I stand. They put him into a hungry den of lions. Can you imagine Daniel down there in that den of lions? And they're just waiting to hear him be ripped to shreds in the growls of the lions. And they look down there and he's petting one on the head and says, What are you doing, kitty? That's an invincible army. That's an invincible army. You say, well, those are those are real men of God. God chose them. Those are real, those are real men of God. Let me tell you one more. There's a woman by the name of Rahab. You ever heard of her? Rahab in the Bible had a reputation for non-faith. And as the spies go down into the land there to spy things out, Rahab looks out there and says, come on in, we'll talk this over. And so here these men now are in Rahab's home, the home of a prostitute, a harlot. They say she was an innkeeper. That was a front. That was a front for for the real business. And here she is. Harboring these spies now. And they come knocking on her door. Where's the spies? We've seen them come in here, Rahab. Where are they? I don't know who you're talking about. And so time goes on. They say, we'll be back. You know, Satan don't just quit. He'll knock on your door. And if you don't let him in, we'll be back. And then you knock, he'll knock again. You don't let him in, we'll be back. And here Rahab says, as soon as they leave, she says, let's go, let's go. You've got to get out. You've got to get out of the city. You've got to get out of here. Well, what are we going to do? I want to protect my family. So she takes a scarlet thread and lets those men in. And they said, if you'll just put the scarlet cord out, we will tell everybody in our Do not touch that child. You see, 
Satan can't do nothing to you unless God allows it. And here sits Rahab, this, this little harlot, this prostitute, who goes up there and she, she begins to change her ways and she's beginning to think, what can I do for God now? I've seen how good God has been to these people. I've seen God destroy all of their enemies. I want a son of God like that. I want to be part of an invincible army. And Rahab begins to sit there and they said, we're coming back. They come back and she, her and her whole entire house was saved because of what she had done for their God. That's an invincible army. Brothers and sisters, it's time that the living bride of Jesus Christ stands up and says, when I am Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You know, there was a time when we look at this and we think, I, I just don't know that I can ever line up. Today's the day. Today is the day that we write our declaration. Today's the day that we write a declaration of independence from Satan. That we're going to do what Jesus and what God wants us to do. That we're going to live the life that God wants us to live. And we're going to act and do and perform the way God performs. You know, there was two men, Peter and John. They went to the temple to pray. And they come down there and there was a woman, a man laying there lame from his mother's womb. And they carried him there daily to the temple. Day after day after day. They sat him. cried out to Jesus and said help me help me help me I've laid here all day day after day after day in this beaten down condition just give me a little alms and Peter looks at him and he says listen silver and gold have I not but such as I have I give it thee Take up your bed, rise up and walk. And he went through the streets praising and singing to God. That's an invincible army. Brothers and sisters, the power of God was so prevalent in Peter's life that the very shadow when he cast down people, they would rise up and walk with him. That's the kind of army I'm looking for. That's the invincible army that I'm talking about. Listen to this as we get ready to close. Faith is a conqueror. Faith is an overcomer. It isn't just a peacemaker. Sometimes we think that because we're Christians, we always got to make peace with everybody, including the devil. That's just not true. Faith is a conqueror. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. It means to override, to beat it down, to throw it into a prison, to handcuff it. It means that the sin and the thing that once ruled you, you rule. You've whipped it. That's my favorite part of that word, of that quote. You've whipped it. When you think about the word whipped it, it didn't just say that, 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 that you, you, you spanked them. There's a difference. When you whip somebody, they don't come back no more. In Kentucky, when you whip somebody, they don't come knocking on your door, Brother Jonathan, because they know you mean business. 
And he says, when you come there and you've got faith that conquers and you've got that kind of victory, you've whipped it. You're greater than it is. How do I do this? How do we have this kind of victory? How do we conquer this? Jesus conquered it on Calvary. I come to preach nothing but Calvary. Brother Branham said Jesus come down there and he died. And, and, and on the day of Calvary, he died and he went down there past them souls in prison. You've heard the story. The prophet tells it better than anybody. He says Jesus went down there and he knocked on the door of the prison. Satan opened up that door. He said, oh, you go hide. I thought I had you. I thought I had you when Daniel was in that lion's den. He said, I thought I had you. When I put those Hebrew children in that fiery furnace. I thought I had you. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Satan. I am the virgin born son of a living God. And my blood is still wet up yonder on Calvary. Give me those keys. Give me those keys that possess everybody in this world. Give me those keys. And he said he put them on his side. And he gave him a swift kick and said, get back to where you belong. That's how you become an invincible army. Let's stand to our feet tonight. He said every redemptive blessing that God has promised belongs to you. And it's your personal property. You want joy? Make it personal. You want happiness? Make it personal. You want to overcome the, the besetting sin that's beside the little sin that eats you away? Make it personal. I know y'all know this song, One of Them. And we're going to sing that song, One of Them. And as we stand here tonight, I want you to ask yourself, are you one of them? Are you one of them tonight that's incapable of being conquered? Are you one of them tonight that, that, is, that is incapable of being defeated? Are you one of them tonight that is, an, that is invincible and victorious in everything? It's here for you. God has promised that. It's not... You say, well, it's not for me. It's for everybody, for whosoever will. I didn't write that. That's what the Word says. It's for whosoever will. Let's sing that, one of them. Well, I am one of them. I am one of them. I'm so glad.
just going to look at the devil, tell him right in the eye, victory is mine. Get behind me, you're defeated. Aren't you glad that you're a part of an invincible army? God has never been defeated, nor will he ever be defeated. And if he lives in you, neither will you. Amen. Appreciate that tonight, Brother Doug. We praise the Lord of the Lord. Thankful that you came to be with us tonight and defeat us. We're all hungry. We need to hear we're an invincible army. Why don't you just shake hands with somebody tonight before you go, and we'll see you back here on Sunday morning, Lord willing. Oh, and in the name of Jesus.